0: Hello and welcome to BB On The Record, this podcast from British Bandsman. I'm Mark Good, editor of British Bandsmen, and first of all, thank you for your lovely comments about the podcast. It's been great to hear that you've been enjoying listening to guests as much as I've been enjoying chatting to them. Some people have been asking about the music which bookends the podcast. In fact, it's a superpiece by Andy Wareham called God From The Machine, Thanks Andy for your support with this project, and you can keep in touch with Andy's latest work by visiting his website, andywareham.com. In this episode, I'm joined by the President of the Scottish Brass Band Association, Carrie Bolkes. Carrie discusses the challenges facing bands in Scotland and further afield, and explains why she remains bullish about the future. She also reflects on her own banding roots, and her surprise at her journey to the upper echelons of a brass band association with a very proud history indeed. But first, how does Carrie describe life during a pandemic?
1: The world is still a bit crazy and a bit mad, and certainly my life and my, my full-time profession in pastoral care in a big secondary school, it's keeping me really, really busy. Uh, we've got the Box Camp community campus open at the moment for homeschooling. Um, So we have a 14-year-old who's trying to get through choices at the moment for moving into her SQ qualifications, an eight-year-old who's in primary four who just wants to see her friends and hates mum being her teacher, and then we've got the three-year-old who, because of things, hasn't started nursery yet, so it's been a bit tough for, for her husband working at home, uh, trying to teach, uh, for working for a local music service online and also got his national um, Saba hat on too in terms of education working there. So yeah, life has not slowed down any. I've had no time to watch any box sets, as many people have. Um, I've been listening to music, not live, but yeah, life, we just take a day at a time mark and, and life just keeps going on.
0: Well, let's begin by talking about a recent event, and that was the Scottish Brass Band Association's recent AGM and Learning Festival. How do you reflect upon the success of the day, which of course was online this year, and the various sessions which took place?
1: I think for anyone no one wants um, any event to be a, a digital online event and um, especially something that is you know a, a, something an annual event and our national event something that we hold really dear because over the past four or five years that's grown into more than just an AGM and I, I was very keen to push the whole aspect of bringing you know band delegates together and allowing them to get a chance to to, to see what they could get from Saba but also come together with one another and being Encouraged going forward in their banding year for their own bands. For me, um, it would have been all too easy. We did look at our constitution. We did speak to Oscar. We spoke to um, various um, influential advisors as well. We could have delayed it, um, but I think it was important to, to have our AGM. Um, we had uh, two positions to fill as well. Um, delighted to, to be in the chair again for a, for another two years, as is Julie nicola our treasurer, and, and working with Anne and Tom um, as a team that bodes well for, for the next two years going forward. Our executive as well were appointed. Um, and again, I've got some diamonds that we work with in the volunteers team at the executive. So that was good from an AGM perspective. Uh, To be able to reflect back um, on the year that wasn't what we expected it to be, um, there was some sadness because I I, I did get quite emotional um, when I spoke about the last time I saw Tom and and Peter in Perth Concert Hall last March. And it really was the last time that we were together. um, And I never thought that would ever happen. But then who did think what would happen in 2020 did? What we did, what we managed to do, how we managed to... Upskill ourselves and how we manage to keep driving things forward. Um, it's very easy to be critical and say you didn't do this, you didn't do that. However, I think the AGM gave me a chance to reflect on, on what we did achieve and, and I was very proud of what we did achieve last year. It wasn't what we expected to achieve or wanted to achieve. And I think then the, the workshops as well, going digital as we've watched over the past 10 months, so many things go digital. Um, I was really pleased of, with the, the numbers. Um, and the uptake, and we actually had to, we used Eventbrite um, to, to book the, the events and, and the workshops. And I think having to, I remember John coming through on a couple of t- occasions saying, we've sold out, you know, and, and I know that Ryan Bradley's session, his first session sold out within, I think it was with less than a week. Um, so that was really positive to see that we had we had um, interest, and not only from our band's delegates that would have attended the actual physical event, but from, from music professionals, from local authority um, employees who were looking for CPD um, across the border in Northern Ireland and Wales because of our Celtic Connection workshop or our session that I, I was particularly keen to have. Because I think I think the Celtic Connection workshop or session allowed us to, to look outwards and to be encouraged from other nations that actually, at the start of their journey, or trying to overcome some of the barriers and hurdles to becoming a unified uh, body. So that's been really uplifting for me. I found that really uplifting to connect with Alan and um, with Graham.
0: Part of Saba's learning festival focused on the issue of motivation for those who are deeply missing their band rehearsals. And there was also a session from Whitburn Band's Ryan Bradley, an expert in pulling together these distance banding videos from your observations what have you made of the innovative activities that you've seen from bands over the past few months
1: it was ve- it's very very interesting to see what, how bands have approached it and how individuals have approached it as well um the upskilling that people have had to um you know um expose themselves to has been a huge huge learning curve Um, Ryan, uh, you know, and there are other young people around the country that SAB have reached out to to try to mentor some of our bands and that's something that I can come back to later, Mark, Um, with with funding from the government, we're going to be reaching out uh, to bands to try and and give more bands the opportunity uh, to have that digital experience, online experience you know, Ryan probably would never have thought 10 months ago that that would have been something that he would have been such a central part of, you know, pulling together a virtual band performance. I think the word grit sums up the brass band world at the moment, I think more so than other musical genres, because, as you know, there was a pocket of time over the past 10 months when some musical genres were allowed to perform. And taking the professional musicians, you know, kind of argument out of it, uh, even in education, the one, you know, the one lesson that wasn't allowed in school was brass and voice for the two lessons, bagpipes as well. Um, and so I think, you know, for any brass player, whether they're young, old, you know, the most elite or uh, lower section, wherever, wherever they sit in the, the kind of banding um, pyramids, I would say that we felt felt it harder than anyone else because we've not had pockets where the government or anyone, certainly in Scotland, has said, yes, you can open up in this way. We can play a solo outside or we can have an ensemble. So it's been really, really tough to then say, right, what do we have? We're at home. We've got an instrument. Let's see what we can do with that. And of course, as you know, we've got iPads, we've got phones we've got laptops, people have went out and bought and um, I know in my house we've got green screens, we've got microphones that have appeared, we've got mixing desks and I know that that's happening just because we're hearing these stories and we're seeing it as well online. It's happening all around the world now um, and all credit to everyone that's doing it because that's something in my opinion, yes it's been tragic but we need to still hold on to some of this and use it because one thing that digital technology has allowed us to do is break down barriers you know, you can be anywhere, and that was obvious at the Learning Festival as well. You can be anywhere, and in the flick of a button, you can connect. It's not, in my opinion, and this is just me speaking, I love listening to things on live. I've loved watching, you know, performances on YouTube, and they're there forever for people to go back and look at rather than just a live experience of the concert hall. I don't have the same emotional experience, you know, as I would do in a concert hall listening to things, but to have that instead of nothing is it, it, definitely something very precious and very special and it's something that we will always be able to look back on but think of where we've come and it's it's truly it's been amazing um and to have that grit to use that word grit again that's definitely something that our banding family and whether it's you know digital technology or just a player who's recorded something um, in with, with nothing round about them um it de- definitely is what we are but we're de- truly determined and the grit the grit's been amazing
0: There really has been a tremendous display of resilience over the past 10 months or so, and all credit to everybody involved in that. And just one other point on Saba's AGM, because as you touched on, you were also re-elected as president of the organisation. How do you look back across the years, Carrie, at your tenure so far?
1: To think about how I got involved in Saba was very much a hands-on involvement. Um, Alan Edmond was the gentleman that said, we're needing to get some female, younger blood in here, Carrie. Come on, come on board and, and try and help us on the stage. Make things move. And that that was exactly what you. I remember. It, I remember it really well. There was a three-legged bass drum and we wanted to try and improve things for percussionists at the time. So, OK, right, Alan, that's fine. I got on board. I, I, I think it was quite... Um, at the time, I do remember thinking, what on earth am I doing here? Why am I getting involved with you know, with these people? And instantly I connected with, with people... Jen Fox, I remember, I remember Linda Patterson and, and Julie Sanderson at the time, all were kind of getting involved. And Alan, Alan Edmund was very much interpersonal, a driver, just wanted the movement to, you know, progress and keep going. And it was, it was great. So it was a really exciting time. And um, Since then, I would say, I would like to think that everyone sees me very much as a, a person who is very much hands-on and very, very passionate about protecting what we have. And that's what I've always tried to do. I think... We're very special and we're very unique, we've got a lot of history and heritage that we can't forget. We're a voluntary organisation, but I do think and I'd like to hope that we are professional in our approach. Um, highlight for me as well was being involved in the European Brass Band Championships in Perth um, you know, and again as a people person reaching out to people at that time and making lifelong friends I mentioned Graham and I mentioned Alan Davidson in there as well the EBBA delegates um, then becoming EBBA delegate and then um, the ill fate of Peter Fraser who Peter Tuchel is vice president and I um, I wouldn't say actually internally I, I'm that confident I would never have knocked Proposed myself or even said to anyone to propose me for a for a position in um, the trustees. But it was very much Peter was ill, I had been working in events, there were subcommittees within Saba, and I was encouraged and nurtured by by the, the young men round about me, my other husband, as I talk about Tom. <laughs> um, and from there, markets just growing, I, I seem to be someone who can't say no. Um, I enjoy. In fact, I don't enjoy. I absolutely love what I do. All my my free time and my, you know, is is banding and and not just my local band, Irvin, but more about the national approach because I think strength in numbers in the brass band community is so vitally important. And the diversity is amazing. You know, you've got young ones you've got old ones you've got young ones sitting next to old ones um you you know your elite performances i was talking to philip harper during the week um and talking about cory and you know 17 times champions and, and, and having having people that are i class as friends i just find it's it is a truly amazing um you know genre musical genre to be part of and i'm so very proud that saba has it all we have national youth brass band under our wing we have the community banding we've got banding bands who go to, you know, the, the European finals and represent us and they're flying the flag. So I, I do hope that, you know, I, I I am a driver, I'm very much passionate and I hope that you know, those that come along in the journey with us that volunteer can see that and it gives them some encouragement. Um, so, I, yeah, and again, as you know, it's a family thing. It's not just a band family thing, but it's a personal thing. I met John through band and my husband and my girls uh, are all musical. Uh, my son, um, who is more rugby now than, than musical, but he, he played euphonium at primary school. He saw the benefits of coming with, you know, together in a, a band ensemble and meeting friends. And And for me, that's something that lasts forever. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got the number one Corey fan in my house, but I, I won't go there, although she did say, Mum, and the podcast, you need to mention Cory at least once because I'll not, I'll not forgive you if you don't. So I've done it, Charlie, I've done it now. Um, but you know what? I, yeah, I, I can't say that I've, I've ever had a bad experience from anything that I've, I've done in my journey. Um, there's been frustrating times, but I've always been so proud.
0: One major focus for Saba has been the avenue of youth development. We've seen the growth of the Scottish Youth Championship and a good number of adult bands introduce youth tiers to their organisations or new independent youth bands rise to the fore. But we've also seen organisations face continued challenges, perhaps working in a a challenging local climate or struggling to maintain that longevity which is so important. What's your reading of the current health of youth banding in Scotland?
1: Yeah Mark, you touch upon a really good point there because it is something that, that that does worry me we know we have invested and and thankfully with with the support of creative of scotland uh, the government's youth music making initiatives we have been given that funding and it was something that george burt um, and andy duncan uh, way back when the opportunity arose they invested a lot of time in and they started applying for grants and working closely with creative scotland and i'm grateful to them for that uh, because that's something that in, as president i've continued to do so in terms of uh, finance and financial aspects and um, we have something that can go part of the way to supporting our youth bands, And you see the youth festival is something that a national forum, we couldn't do without their help, you know, in terms of local brass and percussion players, it does worry me greatly. Um, I I am very much, and I'll lay my heart on the sleeve here. One of the things that I would love to see is, Brass banding being given parity with all the other musical genres at uh, further and higher education, universities and colleges. And I'll be brutally honest, that's not something that I see happening in Scotland. Actually, I think we're very much um, behind in that respect. And you, you only need to look at, our, you know, the Royal Northern, even down in Wales, and, and look at actually in my time, how they've overtaken us. So the, the, the joined up approach there, Mark, for me, there, there's still some so many questions and I, I don't understand why when our brass roots is so strong and the training that we give our youngsters is second to none in the brass band world, in my opinion, why we can't get that parity. So I think that makes it really difficult for our young people who are aspiring, you know, through to progress from... You when know, you've got Mark Gammon, I'll, I'll take as an example, you know, and I wish him all the best. Delighted to have watched Mark grow and, and countless amounts of youngsters. But when it comes to Scotland, not having the chance and the opportunity to be a player of that instrument that they want to be in Scotland and go on and study it, at, you know, at that highest level, that that upsets me. I, I'm being, being brutally honest. It really, really does. And I don't understand it. I still don't understand why, when we've sh- showcased so many good things, is it snobbery? Is it still the old attitude and values of what brass banding was historically, you know, years and years and years ago? Um, but you, you only have to go to across the borders to see how, how brass bands operate and, and courses operate. So in terms of locally, I do think what has happened at local authority. Now, whether this is, again, subject to funding, Mark, I don't know, constraints. They've gone for a very much inclusive approach and I've watched strong brass bands, youth brass bands over the years, since my time as a youngster, just die away. Regional bands die away. Um, And again, I can talk about locally, what they have gone for is an inclusive approach of a concert band can tick so many more boxes than a brass band can. However, flip that in its head, Where do the soprano cornets and flugels go? And, you know, all of the other instruments that that actually possibly could be lost in Scotland. I think it's a case of, we really have to, and we've got some amazing instructors out there. um, But I know that people feel very isolated at times. it's a case of giving our youngsters opportunities like the National Youth Brass Band and having more of that where young people who want who like the brass band as a genre and who want to be playing a brass band and want to maybe aspire to go and study abroad or keep playing their own instrument that might not be, you know, an instrument that you can study at a Scottish university or college. I think it's a case at that point of giving them opportunities to come together and reinforcing the message that what they do is as good as any other musician. Um, but it is it's becoming it is worrying and it's becoming more and more of an isolating experience i don't think covid is helping and i do i am concerned for the next you know couple of years as to when we came out of this um who will still be playing what youngster might have turned their hand to let's say for example a sport um or another pastime um, you know yourself it's very easy to fill your banding nights with with other things because so many other, and for a young person who's very much working with teenagers myself it's very much the here and now it's very instantaneous their, their life I, I, I do fear as to how we keep motivating them to play especially on their own because I don't know if you remember but the social aspect of, of being a teenager and being a musician, being a bit geeky, but there's other geeks round about me. You know, that that's what kept you going and, and that's what fills your soul and, and drives you forward. So there's there are lots of worrying times, Mark. Um, and I do think not being able to physically come together will really take its toll on young people. Um, I do know, for example, we, we still have our summer course planned. The National Youth Brass Band summer course is still planned. Um, We had a meeting with Strathallan, where where we would attend um, every year. It's still very much in the cards. As you know, health comes first. We will be led by whatever the government say. It may be the case that that will be the first time our young people come together and play, but they will come together if we can make them come together because I think that is a vitally, vitally important experience for them um to drive them forward in terms of the local government uh, just to go back to that as well saba is a stakeholder in mepeg and hits um john in his capacity as scottish education officer sits on the the boards as an advisory board and is involved now as an independent advisor working at st andrews with with the projects up there that are happening so we, we do try and we we also have a very small pocket of money money for for research into pathways, because the pathways experience for our our elite youngsters is something that I think we have a duty of care to look after, not just the grassroots, not just the community youth bands, but also youngsters who want to go and make it their profession, who want to make it their career.
0: There's so much to chew over in your response there, Carrie. A couple of acronyms coming our way, I think, hits the Head of Instrumental Teaching Scotland and MePEG, the Music Education Partnership Group, two prominent organisations. And you also mentioned the, the pathway for those perhaps aspiring to study music when they leave school, the current situation where there may not be such a brass band focus. You touched on the National Youth Brass Band of Scotland and I know that there are lots of youngsters really hoping that the world is in a place where the summer course can happen later this year. From a practical perspective, and this relates to NIBS, but no doubt many of Saba's other activities, the organisation receives, of course, a good deal of its funding from Creative Scotland. And clearly there will have been some events or projects that just won't have been able to take place because of the pandemic, but for which there will have been some funding allocated. Tell me, Carrie, about how that works. What happens? Does the funding roll on to the following year?
1: What we have been doing since last year March, April time. In fact, um, it was myself that approached uh, Creative Scotland because obviously there was huge concerns around our activities for twenty twenty, especially with it being our hundred twenty fifth anniversary. Um, and we we had got funding from from Creative Scotland for that. What we have to do is something that's called an alternative COVID nineteen return form. So they look we 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 applied for the funding for last year. We actually have three current funds open. Mark just now. Um, one that is continuing from the, the period that begins in April 2018 to 2020, March, that's strange. Um, so we've still got a pocket of, of that and that's our youth band startups because there was bands in the pipeline line that were due to start last year that didn't start. The, the alternative uh, kind of fund spend is around composition because we appreciate that bands just now may not have music that's appropriate for the digital world and so we have um, approached four composers and it, the music will be uh, available for all of our bands and um, but it's, it's funding that we, we had left over we then had our, our funding grant allocation of ninety thousand pounds um from april 2020 to march 2021 with the caveat that if the event couldn't go ahead, we looked at an alternative means of delivery. So as a prime example, the Scottish Youth Festival um, in November there, we did have our Scottish Youth Championships, as we call it. And we also had some workshops, we tried to include some mentoring around that. And Creative Scotland were more than happy to support that because the key, and I I use this all the time, I repeat, I said it in my Easter message, said it again at Christmas time, is to stay connected you know and whatever that means however we can connect um, and that's what they want us to do we had also um some some of that fund was allocated more towards digital technology, so purchasing of some microphones, not at a great cost, but that was something that we needed to do. Some mentoring as well for some of our bands who had never done it before. I can think of band, youth bands around the country that initially said to join when he called them, "No, that'll be too much for us, but then with a bit of work, with a bit of support, you know, just, just sharing ideas. It's been happening for the past 10 months anyway. Um, they, they've had the encouragement, they had the confidence, and they submitted something. So, uh, and hopefully that will that will build and build to you know in, in the months to come as we still remain in a restricted way. The funding for our national youth brass band, um, again last year, um, if anyone, if you can recall, and, and the listeners recall as well, we did put on an alternative course last year. Uh, not ideal by any manner of means, but last May I got I had a Zoom call. I think it was probably one of my first Zoom calls, you know, um, and it got all the nibs, the conductors and, and the tutorial team from the three bands together, and they were fantastic. I said, look, here's what we want to do. You've not seen it been done before at that point, the National Youth Bass brass band, band of Great Britain. I think we're talking about postponing, just cancelling. There was going to be nothing in terms of summer summer courses. I said, No, we need to do something. I know. Oh, and this isn't why it happened but as a mother myself my my you know my 14 year old was absolutely gutted she loves her her nibs friends she loves in fact she talks probably sometimes more to her nibs friends than she does to her her school friends and and she was holding on to this getting back in the summer as as even the staff where didn't happen obvious reasons um but the team just embraced it and you know again it just it just makes me so proud of who they are of what they did of how they reached out and we got funding for that Um, and that's what Creative Scotland had said you know there are so many freelance composers, conductors, musicians whose bread and butter has just been wiped out as we know we could sit here all day and talk about the arts, the industry, the theatres and what's happening it's tragic Um, but that was what they were keen to do So, so our funding has allowed us to continue to you know, um, provide expenses and and, and some sort of employment to to those that we would have in normal times.
0: Now I know when you take to the stage, Carrie, in normal times in Perth at an event like the Scottish Championship, the audience will often hear you emphasise that there's a place for every age and stage in Scottish banding. So let's take a look towards the other end of the spectrum, as it were, to those who maybe don't define themselves in the youth category. Over the past few years, uh, we've seen the loss of some events from the contesting calendar, though it shouldn't all be about competitions. The recent Learning Festival is a great example, but how else would you say Saba is catering for those in the adult realms of Scottish banding?
1: I think it's very difficult. To talk about we, we individually cater in the sense of the way in which you could compare us to youth because what what happens with youth is very structured and it's very obvious it's out there it's at a national level um what we've tried to do um and again i i reach out to my european colleagues for this as well because you go to european brass band championships and you know within. 12 hours these events are sold out but what we try to do is really make festival events so our scottish championships we try to ensure that it's not just about coming playing and leaving again and and this is a bugbear of mine and i, I totally appreciate be people listening who will i'll get their heckles up here but I think a contest day is very much a contest day and it shouldn't be an experience that lasts only an hour when you come to a hall, a beautiful, glorious hall, and you play and you leave again and you actually don't experience the people, you know, and the performances that are there. Because surely if you are you want to get better, you want to hear what's going on. Um, I know there's rivalry, but rivalry should be a competitive rivalry that drives you forward to be a better person, but you leave it when it comes to, you know going for a coffee or a pint or a, or something to eat. And you, you just, you have people at the end of the day and surely COVID's taught us that, if nothing else. So what we try to do is we try to we try to make our championships, festival events. We've introduced our 4B banding section as well. We've watched bands who've dipped out of the fourth section due to numbers, geographical challenges. Then we've watched them come back in. What we do is we try and give them mentors as well to go to the band halls, to connect, to try and encourage them. We try to take the isolation away of, of banding as well. I also would like to think that the the Festival of Brass, which is another major event in the year, is very much about, you know, come along. We we try to keep the costs down for the public, come along and listen, you know, for a, a whole weekend with funding from it could be sponsors, it could be Creative Scotland again. Come along for £10. Where else could you go and spend a weekend listening to the best English, Welsh? you know, could be foreign, Scottish, just Scottish bands in general, youngsters, and, and sit in a beautiful concert hall that's Perth Concert Hall um, and, and enjoy performances or at least critique performances if you don't always enjoy them And um, because I know that not every piece of music is to everyone's taste and performance is to everyone's taste. Um, but to be there, and that that's the sad bit for me, Mark, when it comes to our events. Our numbers, um, I don't think our bands get the numbers that they deserve and if there was anything that I could do, uh, you know, if I had that, all all power um I would I would remove the 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 draw and people think that's why would you remove that people travel five hours to get to contests but for three hours of a section if it's the Scottish Championships what is three hours of a section when you've blood sweat and tears to get onto that stage and spent what you've spent that day so that's our two main events what we've tried to do and you've touched upon it as well we've we've tried to introduce events throughout the year that are to do with, you know, and and digitally, this has been amazing for us over the past year, our workshops, um, even just a bank of resources, whether it is we've got a library that all our bands can access, we've got people that our bands can access, we've got advice that our bands can access as well, we've got press and publicity officers, you you know about that, and, and reaching out to, helping people reach out to the local community to raise the profiles as well. In terms of adult bands and funding, that's something as well that we've got advice and guidance applications. You know, you know we are. We might not have the funds that we can we can just give because the money is generated really from registration, um, from Scottish registration, um, and and we are all volunteers. So you know we 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 don't take the money back. It all goes back to banding. And um, but we do get we still continue in a beautiful, glorious hall that's Perth Concert Hall to give everyone the best performance experiences and reaching out by offering workshops that, that we try to, you know, run for free or certainly minimal cost. Um, and it's it's very, very difficult because the country is so diverse and so spread um, that it, it can make it difficult to please everyone and to be able to organise something for everyone that, that would satisfy everyone's needs. But I think, I think the past year has taught us that the resources that you have can sometimes be more beneficial than any finance that you can offer bands need to grow their own players and bands need to work hard you do need grit to be in a brass band it's really hard bands need to grow their own players and they need to invest in their youth but they also need to invest in their own bands um especially coming out of covid covid is something that we we have appreciated that we need to do some work on and again it will be a bit of advice and guidance and we have set up a COVID-19 recovery subcommittee, um, but but that's where we try to utilise the, the skills and the qualities and the resources that we have. And hopefully we'll reach out and, and grab everything that they can from us and use them for the good of their own banding.
0: I think we really, really hope you touched on Perth Concert Hall, which has become a home for quite a lot of Scottish banding events in recent years, a magnificent facility and as someone who's been able to sit in on quite a lot of those events in recent years, you're right, it is a shame, isn't it, when bands have put in so many months of hard work and they come onto the stage and they don't perhaps get the audience that they deserve. But hopefully when the world returns to being a little bit more normal or we arrive at whatever the new normal looks like, people will be craving those live in-person music experiences. Carrie, Let's now turn to matters of the purely musical variety and indeed your piece of the podcast. So just before we take a listen, tell me why you've chosen this work.
1: Well, Mark, this was so difficult. I'm sure that everyone that comes on to your your programme will say exactly the same thing. Music is so emotive. Um, And since primary school, I've been involved with brass bands and for some reason... Unbeknown to me, um, I have, it's just the instru- instruments, you know, brass managements are the instruments that just get me um, and, and certainly move me um, and, and live with me forever. I started playing a bell clanger when I was in primary five. That will mean something to many people. I played um, all the way through. I, got, I think I ended up in a I love the baritone that my daughter actually played at one point when she started. Um, and then the instrument, the instrument, piece of choice uh, is very much about this instrument and I played um, way back, never ever would proclaim to be anything even close to, to the soloist in this piece of music. The piece of music also um, is one that has got lots of fond and sad memories for me because I remember being at Brasson concert and, and then we talk about live music again, Mark. It was lovely to watch uh, on the stage because it was a connection with father and son that day. Again, the band that I saw that day is a band that is is very favoured in our house and still to this day is. Um, but the piece of music brought me to tears that day but again since then it was actually played at my wedding I walked down the aisle to this piece of music and the band at the day was the band that my husband was conducting at the time Den and Dune. so it was made up of of friends and and players and and still um, dear friends now playing the band the conductor in the day when it was played at my wedding was Alan McCutcheon who was a brass instructor in the area but my husband's best friend um, so many brass memories there for him um, sadly, he's no longer with us. We we lost him, tragically, um, a few years back. But John's best friend, Dave McKellar, who is the solo euphonium player, and this might lead on to thinking about what I'm, what I'm going to say, uh, he played for us that day. So he had, he had an extra job to do that day as well as be best man. He was also the, the, the soloist that day. And I remember him saying he felt so nervous, as did I, because it was my Wendy. It's a very reflective piece and emotive piece, um, but it comes from Carol Jenkins' Arm Man, and the piece is Benedictus.
0: The Sound of Cory Band, featuring euphonium soloist David Childs, performing Benedictus from Sir Carl Jenkins' Mass, The Armed Man. Conducting was Robert Childs, and that was the piece of the podcast, as chosen by my guest today, President of the Scottish Brass Band Association, Carrie Bokes. Carrie, you touched on it shortly before your piece of the podcast there, but let's look at your own brass band origin story. Tell me a little bit about your early musical life and how you became involved in this world of brass bands.
1: Well, world it is, Mark, well, um, to get involved, again, like many people, um, I was approached in primary five, Uh, this man came into the classroom and said, would anyone like to play a brass instrument? Here's a letter, take it home, got it filled out, brought it back. Given a mouthpiece, given a few different mouthpieces. Yep, that one will do for you. And again, the the classic bell clanger, satin euphonium, um, in primary five. And at the time, there was a connection w- with Chick because Chick not only taught in the local primaries, but he taught in the local secondary, where my mum was a secretary at the time, um, and my mum's as outgoing as myself and she very quickly became an adult helper for all of the youth band trips and um, she was there doing tuck and all sorts of stuff so she just she just it was a great help um, and Chick you know very quickly again his personality became a friend of the family um, and so the journey began and Chick really exposed me to, to brass banding. We played uh, and the youth band, and uh, we had a band on a Monday, we'd band on a Friday, we'd band on a Saturday morning, um, and the, the youth band on a Saturday morning was young people from lots of different authorities. sorry, lots of different um, secondary schools, primary schools, there was an excess of 80 youngsters there, and you never thought twice about it, there were just loads of people, I think there was about 10 euphoniums sat in a line, very much National Youth brass Band kind of level, but that was it. And I met loads of good friends. Um, You know, my best friend growing up was a fellow euphonium player. There's a couple of uh, local um, teachers just now that I work with in the authority who were really good friends as well growing up. And then it got to a point where I'm still playing brass. I was entering all the music festivals. You know, we would go in the back of the minibus and the ensembles. We would have a great time. We would stop for fish and chips. Just all the memories that you think... I really like this. I like the feeling of of what, you know, what being part of a brass group, a brass band, an ensemble uh, kind of brings. Um, The winning wasn't as important as the friendship at the time. Um, And then the Irvine and Dreghorn Senior Band rehearsed in the school that I attended. And I remember um, thinking, round about second year, I think it was, I said, I really fancy hitting those drums. Mr. Keenan I won't say Chick, I'll say Mr. Right, okay. And uh, Heather care Smith, who's an amazing percussionist, she was in the band as well. Um, and it, it just gave me a chance to play. And at that point in time, it was very much n- no percussion lesson. Um, there was no one there apart from Chick, you know, helping me. And very quickly, I found a spot in the band. I moved to percussion. I was still playing the brass instrument because I had to for for school for my qualifications and I still got my brass lesson. But it was quite obvious that it was really percussion fed my soul, maybe, shall we say, a bit more. Um, Very good for uh, the energy and and the burst that I had because I was quite sporty as well at school. But I did. I, I loved I loved being louder than everyone else. I don't know if that's still to this day um, and again I, I then Chick got me lessons I do remember going up with, with Chick at the time to Kirk and band rehearsals because he conducted them I met Frank Renton there not that Frank probably remember that because I was just this wee you know spotty teenager who was quite quiet when she was exposed to the big bands but I used to sit in band rehearsals and go wow this is just phenomenal um, and again, there was nothing quite like being part of a live brass band rehearsal and, and you know, and being and part of that kind of experience. Um, and then I you kind know, of went through school thinking I would like to teach. I always wanted to teach, but I fancied teaching music. Started to learn, um, it was organ, not piano. And Chick thought, yeah, well, we need another instrument. Right, let's get you onto bass trombone. And I think at that point in time, that's when... I said, no, I can't do a slide instrument. Sorry, Mark. It wasn't for me. Um, And yeah, I I decided to to apply to do a a degree in English and music. So I started in my first year and on a Wednesday. I used to, it was at Glasgow University, and literature was very much in focus four days a week. And then I would go along to the Royal Academy at the time. It was in Glasgow on a Wednesday. But it was very much the history and the performance was not the focus. And, and for me, very quickly throughout my degree, I was driven towards the literature side where music was very much the passion and the hobby. And to this day, it, it still is. And it's interesting because I'm having conversations with my eldest my daughter just now about careers and pathways. And I've even had these conversations with kids at NIBS. I'm really glad that I kept music as a hobby. Now, whether I would have been talented enough to be a a performer or not is is irrelevant now because I'm too old to even consider that, you know, what may have been. But I am so lucky that, and I've said this to my dearest friend, Richard Evans, once upon a time, I can walk away from this at any time if it was to go wrong or to be soured in any way whereas just now it's very much about living the dream and the sparkle and the love of it and there is nothing better than having a love that is music and brass banding in particular which really does feed my soul Um, just to hear my daughter playing or or John playing his cornet that certainly gives me goosebumps throughout Covid it's done it for me Um, Charlie and John have been doing some duets as well and it's fantastic I've hit a triangle um, in a virtual performance for the West of Scotland event I think that was the closest I got oh a bass drum as well um, from the kit that in the loft, uh, but very little has been done in terms of percussion in the house. I think that might just push my dog over the edge if no one else. Uh, but you know, that that was my journey. Um, and when it comes to watching other youngsters, especially in the children's band, when you see them starting and they're really hungry and passionate, it just reminds me of what I was like, you know. And if I had, had the chance to be part of that National Youth Brass band at that age, or if I had probably been that talented the potential there is just phenomenal, it's, it's it's just, it's just a beautiful thing to watch, and I just, I just love just being the person that kind of helps to facilitate it all now, and you really are giving back, Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's how my musical journey kind of started, and now, for me, I'm very, very fortunate to have it as a, as a hobby, Um, and it's it's not, you know, as my, I would say it's my life, actually, Um, but certainly, it's, it's certainly the passion that I've that I have, and it will never be soured. It's it's always going to be the passion. It's always going to be the passion for me.
0: And there was a name which cropped up a few times in your response there, Charles or Chick Keenan, a familiar face and name in Scottish banding and someone whose education career... Um, a lot of which was spent in Ayrshire and over in Inverclyde as well, and I know a lot of people in professional and community music making can point towards Czech as having played a major role in their musical life. So Carrie, let's now look forward. The banding landscape in the UK is continuing to evolve. Over the past few years we've seen the growth of Brass Bands England and there's now a fledging organisation in Wales too. Along with the association in Northern Ireland, How do you hope to see these organisations working together in the months and years to come?
1: Well, we had a meeting which was looking at the the idea of a brass band passport um, or a musician's passport um, to travel to Europe, obviously with Brexit, um, now being in full force and the uh, you know, the fallout of that the difficulties it's going to there's going to be for whether it's the elite bands like Cory traveling to the europeans it was meant to be malmo this year and that's how it was raised in in parliament and that's why we had the meeting um now whether it's uh, you know or even bands like Perth who are very much tour bands who love to go abroad and, and have exchanges as well and youth bands, you know, there's so many youth bands that will go, school bands who will travel. So, so that's something that we're working together with the other three nations to try to to you know to, to make sure that this is given real thought and there are there's no more red tape around anyone wanting to go and travel. Um, you know, into and, and Europe. So working together there um as the EBA delegate, uh, get, uh, I'm very fortunate to meet all of the other uh, EBA nations um and have, I believe, you know, friends a- across Europe now. I've found that, especially during COVID, where you're very much disconnected, looking outwards and looking beyond Scotland has been quite encouraging for me. Because, you know, to give comparison, I think Northern Ireland and Wales as a group of volunteers who are managing the organisations um, which is different from Brass Bands England who are very fortunate to have so much generous funding and, and very many employees in, in their organisation. I am trying to strengthen numbers again and, and trying to connect with certainly the Celtic nations whether it is to organise workshops, whether it is to share the resources at the moment during COVID. Um, we even spoke about some of our young people coming together and doing virtual Celtic performances. This is all kind of in the pipeline and we're going to be meeting again um, in mid-March just to, to take some of the ideas forward. But even offering things like advice in terms of structure, infrastructure is something that you know we've been looking at. We definitely have to we ha- definitely have to work together. Um, and that's one of the things, again, to go back to the digital world, Mark, that it's allowed us to do. We've been very fortunate that it can break down so many barriers. Um, so in, in terms of how we see things going in the future, I'm very keen for a Celtic Connections Forum. Um, you know, uh, to to, to continue. I also know that even in terms of players and player movement, and in terms of the uncertainties around employment, you may find that more players will be channel hopping or, you know, hopping across borders. And so looking after our players and even helping them to connect if they have to move for college, for work, um, for opportunities, you know, that's something that that we look at. Um, so not only at the government level have we been working together, but we still even at an infrastructure level and, a, you know, a kind of personal level, personal scale, we hope to work together too.
0: And just as we come to the final moments of our conversation with the very occasional bark from your end and the more than occasional screaming <laughs> baby boy from my end, <laughs> um, how do you look forward, Kari? What can we expect from Saba in the months and years to come?
1: Well, in terms of the months to come, I think for us the priority has to be protecting our bands and our players, and making sure that we can encourage every band to reach out. and I have been trying to repeatedly, you know, stress this message. Do you know that all your players in your band are okay? Have you reached out to them? Have the band managers, have the, you know, have the the presidents, have the chair people? Have you actually reached out? And do you know that they are okay? I also think, and I've stressed this message, we have to be inclusive when we return. No person, no player can feel under pressure to return to the band hall. So actually, I think we have to err on the side of caution when it comes to returning, although we're really hungry to get back. I think that was um, a lesson to be learned in schools. And I'm listening to the government just now talking about more of a blended and a phased return rather than this, one return and we all go back together. That's maybe something, not that I'm being critical and not that I'm political, but it's maybe something that we can learn a bit from Mark. Um, And also continue to plan and continue to give hope to our bands. This idea of being connected is so vitally important, but also as a national body we still need to say, yes, we hope that this will happen and if it doesn't happen we will have alternatives. Um, I hear of you know we were talking about mask wearing um, in my house yesterday and this continuing into next year Um, and I I just I can't actually imagine next year and this is where I kind of contradict myself because I'll be I'm talking about planning for the future and planning for the year ahead and we have plans in place and we have event plans in place. I still have to take a day at a time because your well-being needs a day at a time. You need to get up in the morning, see what you've got for that day. And when you get to the end of the day, pat yourself on the back and say you've made it. You're still smiling. You've still got your personality and your sense of humour. And then you can think about the next day Um, because it's so hard just now in the midst of winter, weather, you know, and, and with the vaccination gives hope. however, in terms of what we have for our bands um, there's an awful lot of questions, and there's an awful lot of up and down, and there's there's different kind of avenues. The bands might be allowed back, but we'll be allowed to brass players to play because is that you know the aerosol effect? Is that debate and argument still going on? So there's all those questions. We can't control that. So as Saba. What we do continue to do is we continue to meet as members, as as an executive, we've had our AGM, we've got eight meetings planned for this year, they will possibly might be virtual, we've had the best attendance at SAAB executive meetings that we've ever had because people haven't had to travel from Aberdeen to Glasgow or the borders to, you know, to the central belt. So that's been positive and we'll hold on to the positives of last year as well and use them going forward. And we have to plan our events. Our national youth brass band event, God willing, will will happen if it's safe to do so. Our Scottish Youth Festival, our Scottish Open, our Scottish Challenge is all planned for this year. We've got workshops planned. We've got adjudicators booked. So, so that's all there. Um, and if it doesn't happen, do you know what? It will happen in the future because we're holding on to the fact that that it will return. And as you mentioned earlier, God willing. We hope that everyone will be so desperate to get back that we'll fill Perth Concert Hall the next time. We can have a big party, you know, whatever that will look like. Um, We'll we'll, we'll get a national brass band day off working the Monday so that we can actually properly enjoy and not have to pack up and go to work the next day. Um, But we have to have this optimism that this will pass and we will return to banding. And hopefully, if people have been looking after their members in their own discreet ways, and they've been continuing their daily practice and continuing to you know, to listen like I was listening to, on Thursday night, I was listening to performances of what has been before and holding that hope because music is so emotional and It's it's so good for the soul and it's so good for well-being, but we will get back to that. We can get back to that, and when we get back and we can not virtually hug, but really hug one another, And we'll be all the stronger for it.
0: That's it for this episode of BB On The Record. Thank you to Carrie Boaks and thanks to you for listening. Do get in touch about anything you might have heard on the podcast. You can email info at britishbandsman.com. You can enjoy a digital subscription to British Bandsman. It costs just £42.99 for one year. That includes access to BB's exclusive Masterclass series, with recent contributions coming from the likes of Richard Marshall, Tom Hutchinson, Brett Baker and Kirsty Abbott. Go to britishbandsman.com and click on subscribe. As for this podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Join me next time on BB On The Record. Bye for now.